Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Hawaiians? Aloha. Mahalo. I'm back. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Uh, thank you for hanging in there while I was gone. I hope it was engaging. I have been back uh, less than 12 hours, and for the past 20 minutes, I've uh, tried to um, get hold of my cat Boomer so I can wipe poop off his ass. So that's uh, that's my morning. Good morning. Hi, Boomer. What happened to your ass? Let me see if I can help you. Oh, you don't want my help? Oh, now you're running away from me, and I'm standing here holding a wet paper towel? Fine. Deal with your ass yourself. That was today already. Uh, I hope you had a nice fourth. It is the fourth as I'm saying this, so I have not had mine yet, but I hope uh, no one lost any fingers or set themselves on fire. I hope you reflected on our country's uh, state uh, and what it should be and what the promise was and, uh, and what it means. I hope you did all that. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm gonna, yeah, I, I have yet to do that. I was in Hawaii for 10 days on the island of Kauai wearing almost nothing but uh, Lacoste shirts and shorts and sandals. Did some amazing stuff. I don't know if you've ever been there. Let's just go down the list of things that happened. Jessica and I only fought twice. Uh, we fought the first night we got there to sort of establish the vacation, set a tone of what we shouldn't be doing. And then it was kind of smooth sailing after that. Uh, for I'll tell you what, let me just go down the list of things I ate first. Moco Loco had that. That is fried rice with uh, Portuguese pork on it, two fried eggs on top of that, smothered in brown gravy. Awesome. Did that twice. The second time, I felt like I was hurting myself. A lot of shave ice. Shave ice, very good. It's a Hawaiian dish where they put a big chunk of ice in the machine, shave it down. It's, not, it's like a snow cone, but it's not because it's better. And they put syrup on it, and then you can have some sweet and condensed milk on top. This is the shame list. Pokey, supermarket pokey, almost every day. Uh, that's uh, big old chunks of ahi uh, with different types of toppings, perhaps just soy sauce, perhaps some seaweed in there, maybe some spicy mayonnaise. Come on, Dennis. God damn it. Now I got to deal with this. This is what I'm coming home to. Can you guys hear that? Of course you can hear that. Hey, Dennis. Dennis. Hey, buddy, can you give me 10 minutes? Just 10 minutes. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's make this happen. What was I doing? The list of things I ate? Uh, what? I, dolphins. I didn't eat dolphins. I saw dolphins. Look, I got to be honest with you. Kauai is the most amazing island in the world. It's beautiful. I completely detached. I only tweeted maybe 10 times, barely emailed anybody, did not masturbate even, just uh, had, had, had regular sex. Um, no masturbation, only ejaculated in an appropriate environment where God meant us to, where we are biologically destined to right into the water off of a cliff. Did not do that. Should have done that. Damn it. I've got to go back to Kauai. I knew there was something I didn't do, which was stand on the cliff next to the Nepali coast and masturbate into the water. That is something the ancient Hawaiians did. It was in our guidebook. Fuck. I knew I forgot something. But let's be honest. 
it was very hard being me without distractions. Just uh, Jessica and I never spent this much time together. That was challenging for both of us, I think. It's really interesting when you love somebody and you're with them a long time and you've never really gone on a vacation and then you realize about three days into vacation, like, oh my God, I'm still the same old asshole I've always been. Now that none of my distractions are here, my girlfriend's going to see exactly who I am. And I think it went both ways, and we persevered through it, and I think we had a good time. We uh, took a boat ride. We took we were on a boat. There were like 30 dolphins all around us swimming next to the boat. We saw giant sea turtles. We explored these lava flows, not active lava flows, but it's very interesting when you realize that islands are just spit out of the center of the earth in the form of hot goo. And then just over hundreds of millions of years, they make islands. And there's so many different terrains on Kauai. You have rainforest, you have swamp, you have desert. It was, it was fucking beautiful. Did I mention the turtles? Love sea turtles. Was not asked to be their leader. The dolphins were mind-blowing. But you go through a lot of waves on a vacation. You're like, I'm here. This is great. I'm relaxing. And then a few days into it, you're like, am I relaxing? And then a, few, a day or two after that, you're like, I'm not fucking relaxed at all. I'm losing my fucking mind. What the fuck happens, man? What is happening? My whole life is going. We were away. Now I come back. All of a sudden, Anderson Cooper's gay. I mean, we, we go away. All of a sudden, like uh, the Supreme Court decides that uh, Obama's health care is solid. We go. We go. The, everything went on when I was away. I did have one powerful moment. First, let me tell you about the the movies I watched on vacation because I know that you you really uh, really want to know about that uh, because they have what's that thing called a red box? They had a red box at the supermarket, which became our lifeline uh, to familiar things. Uh, <laughs> uh, we watched uh, Twenty One Jump Street, which uh, I I got some very serious laughs, deep laughs. Enjoyed it. This is movie review time. Uh, we watched Jeff, who lives at home. I also enjoyed that very much. We need to talk about Kevin. I watched that. That's not an uplifting movie. But uh, uh, Tilden, is that her name? Tilton? Tilda Swinton was very good. Um, we watched Martha Marcy, May Mar- Martha Marcy, Mary Marlene with the, uh, the other Olsen sister, which was a very disturbing movie. So two very disturbing movies, one slightly disturbing but endearing movie and one funny one. Very good. Before I get done with this, I just want to say I'm rested and I'm happy to be back. And one of the most powerful moments I had was the first day I got to Kauai. I don't know if you know about Hawaii or Kauai in general, but there's thousands of roosters and chickens everywhere that were brought over there on a boat sometime in the 1800s by the Polynesians and then just spread. Uh, so it's they're, they're not indigenous to the island, but they're all over the island now. Giant roosters, full-on, beautiful roosters with all the beautiful proud feathers and the strutting and the crowing at all hours they no longer know what time it is they're not reliable alarm clocks in Kauai. first day there i see a rooster big beautiful proud cock a fucking rooster a man and he was limping he had a broken foot so there was this limping rooster but because it's a rooster he didn't know he was limping you know, he was still proud rooster, you know, like, I'm the fucking shit. Look at me. Yet, he was all fucking hobbly. But it didn't diminish his uh, his stature because he didn't know better. But I knew. And I thought, look at that sad limping cock. And it was sort of touching to me because I thought, boy, that's sort of a metaphor for aging, isn't it? All that pride and you just don't realize that you're being diminished by something you're not fully aware of. And other people see it, but you don't. That was a powerful moment. 
I tried to read The Power of Now on the toilet. I brought The Power of Now because I thought like maybe there's something to be gleaned in here, but I only brought it into the bathroom and some and I and I tried to read it. That was the only place I read The Power of Now on the toilet. I didn't get very far into it. But uh and it didn't really move me. And I needed movement. I don't know why that happens to me on uh, vacations, but I get a little backed up and the power of now did not help me. Maybe it's because I needed the power of pow, as somebody said on Twitter. Yes. Just coffee.coop. I did just shit my pants. On the show today, the creator of uh, Maki's, Drinky Crow, an amazing illustrator and portrait artist, Tony Millionaire. Uh, Interesting guy. Artiste. Great. I've got, he's done two portraits of me. That's, that's tempered my, my point of view, but let's talk about my vacation. So while I was on vacation, I read this book by Richard Zogland, Comedy at the Edge, How Stand Up in the 1970s Changed America. I don't usually read comedy books. I don't have any relationship with Mr. Zogland. I, I don't even know where I got this book. Perhaps he sent it to me. I don't know. It came out a few years ago, but this is a fucking amazing book. If you want to really Put stand-up comedy into perspective in terms of its roots, what it means, why it transitioned, you know, out of what was just basically uh, clowns and, and comedians into stand-up. This guy wrote a great book. It's dense, it's tight, and he picked the right guys. You know, he sort of starts with uh, starts with Lenny, and he goes into Carlin and Pryor, and then he goes into Robert Klein, Richard Lewis, Albert Brooks, Steve Martin. Andy Kaufman. He talks about the 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 New York scene uh, later in the seventies. It's intellectual. It's intelligent, and the mythology is intact. And he he really nails it. And I was thrilled to read it. And now I need to interview Albert Brooks and Robert Klein. So could you guys come on, please? Can we do that? I should start the fucking show. This is ridiculous. Did I mention that I snorkeled a lot? I snorkeled a lot. Damn it! I can't. I should have made notes. Snorkeling is the greatest thing in the world. It was the only time on the vacation where I completely got out of my head, lost myself, because there's two things. You're seeing amazing things, you're underwater, and you're struggling to breathe on some level. I did some very on-the-edge snorkeling. It was it was spectacular. I'm going to be at the Ice House this Sunday, July 8th, uh, with, with a great show. I called up uh, Pete Holmes, Joe Mandy, and Chelsea Peretti to come do the show with me. July 8th at 7 p.m. It's the Ice House in Pasadena. Icehousecomedy.com. Go get tickets for that if there are any left. That's a powerful show. All right, now let's talk to Tony Millionaire. Can we? Thank you. Okay, good. I think that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Tony Millionaire on the Millionaire Burp. That was deep. Yeah, well, I you, just had you a went beer deep before I came in. I like beer. You went deep for that yeah, one. Yeah. You like beer? Is that uh, that your meal of choice? The king, of course. I always took the king. It says the king right on the can. I don't like the way my headphones sound. Yeah, I have bad hearing, so I always wear headphones when I work or when I watch TV. I, I don't it's think like it's... I can hear better than anybody in the room. It's just great having headphones. Mine you have, sound fine. You have you have headphones. You wear an ear thing. I wear headphones all, all the time. I don't wear it. No, I, I had a new operation on my ear. Yeah. So I don't need hearing aid anymore. Right. It's amazing. What they do to it? They cut a piece of my back of my head off. Mm-hmm. A little tiny piece, and then they stuck it in there to f- make a fake eardrum because I had a big hole there. Why'd you have a? Is that genetic or? 
I think it happened when I was 14. I think it happened at a Yes concert when I was maybe 16. Yeah, I I knew they were not good. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that that Yes, uh, you know, they were were dangerous on some level. They were way too close to the edge. How did you end up at a, oh, you're 14 at a Yes concert. Do you have an older brother or something? Maybe 16. 16? Maybe. On your own volition? That sounds like something an older brother would drag someone to. Oh, no. You kidding me? I loved Yes. You did? I loved them. Especially look at the first album. Come on. No, I, you, you're talking to the wrong guy. I mean, yeah. I, I, I took what I had to from uh, the radio stations that gave it to me, uh-huh. but I never pursued Yes in any active way. I loved them. I Too was, complicated for no, me. I was a teenager. Maybe you were a little older than me or younger than me. I don't, I don't even know. I can't tell. I'm younger than you. That's I figured. Everybody's younger than me. No, but not much, but still, I mean- Yeah, but yeah. You were, then you were 12, and you, so you had no idea- no, I still, I mean, but I, I, I came to a lot of music later in, in life. In your 40s? And was, I'm in my 40s. Yeah, 40s. well, of course, you were four. Yes, but what I'm saying to <laughs> yes. you is that uh, when I come to music, I may be you know, out of the time zone, but yeah. it's an appreciation thing. There was too much going on. Too much. put that light on instead of that light? You we know, can do whatever I'm, you want. I'm very uh, sensitive to both lights. Is it, oh, yeah? You feel in the... Sam Henderson once called me when he had to help me move. He called me Tony Million Lamps because I have... He had to help me move like six, 16 lamps out of the house because I like lamps slow light all over the house. Is that better? That's great. We good? This place is really nice. It's cluttered. It's uh, it's cluttered. No, it's like like my place. It's, I have a sm- very small garage yeah. built for a Model T, Yeah. and it's very cluttered, and it's, I, I have all the corners I need to work in. I love it in there. So this that's your workspace? Yeah. How, now, like see, this. now the, the interesting detail, built for, for a Model T. Yeah, because it was built in 1920-something. So that's uh, so you decided that. It well, must I be. figured it out. I mean, you went you, you but you did the research because you wanted to picture it when you're sitting in there. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, at first, I thought it was for a horse, but I realized in the twenties. By the twenties, they they pretty much all had cars. So, because on, the only reason I asked that, it seems like a, a lot of uh, your creativity is drawn from that era. That's right. See, just, of course, uh, yeah. maybe, just maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I'm. Uh, so you like sitting in there thinking, like, well, if I wasn't in here, Model T would be in here. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I could picture a horse with a big blanket on it, chewing hay. With yeah. A giant with just the feet sticking out of the blanket. Well, how do you think your uh, your mind got so seared by this period? Because I mean, I'm I'm a little younger than you, but I certainly grew up watching the Little Rascals and uh-huh. on Channel Eleven yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, Little Rascals, of course. I mean, that, that shit came out in the twenties, so or the 30s, whatever it was. Right. So we all watched it at the same time. We watched it many, many years later. And you were able to appreciate it. Oh my God, I loved it. But yet you take away my ability to uh, take in yes properly. And that was only four or five years different. Yes was a very temporary uh, pleasure for me. I didn't, I didn't, I don't still, I still don't have yes records. I don't say to my wife, honey, could you download the new Yes, the old Yes? Yeah, you don't have the Yes catalog. No, I don't. (laughs) But you do find yourself... um, Fragile. Date, yeah, of course. Remember with the exploded planet? I uh-huh. loved it at the time, but it's not one of those things that stuck with me. Right, but uh, like, but Alfalfa did. Buckwheat did. America, when I put on Ventura, Ventura Freeway. Yeah. In the sunshine, in the alligator lizards, in yeah. the sky. I love that now because now I drive on the Ventura you, you just, you just The two bands we've referenced so far are America and Yes. And I did a little Popeye accent. Well, that's fine, but I'm just I'm having a hard time with America, and yes. I mean, you're talking horse with no name. Uh, well, yeah, that was the hit, you know. Nobody likes the hits. 
Yeah, but their hit was so shitty, I wouldn't go look at the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I never really liked... I, I always did like Yes when I was a kid. But Roundabout's good, and that's I their hit. That, that, was, that was a time in my life when I really liked music that was just soft and pleasant, easy to listen to. Yeah. Where do you come from? Man Manchester, Massachusetts. I said, I say that when I talk about America, and yes... Where do you come from when you Before talk that, about maybe your childhood? Marlboro, Massachusetts. Marlboro. Marlboro. Yeah. When I was growing up in Mount Marlboro, Massachusetts. And then we all moved to, by the time I got to high school, we moved to Gloucester. Gloucester. And that's where, and Gloucester is where my whole family lives. Gloucester. Yeah, we wanted to be close to my grandparents. Isn't that a fishing town? Oh, yeah. It's half fishing town, half artists. I've been to Gloucester. There was now a gig there briefly. Now it's also commuters because people realize you, there was if a you brief, drive 45 minutes, you're in Boston and you can get a job. There was a brief period there where it was artists and yep. drug-addicted fishermen. Mm -hmm. Heroin was the... Yeah. Gloucester was the number Coming one in heroin, Coming heroin in. center of the East Coast for a, lo for a long time. Were they bringing it in? I didn't know about it, but I read about it later. Oh, I think it was after you were there. I think it was that fishermen, when they got home, right. would want to relax. Mm-hmm. Not with really relaxed. Yeah, not with a cocktail. You can get a cocktail at <laughs> <No>. sea. <laughs> really relaxed. Really, really I mean, relaxed. like, forget it all. Yeah, for like a couple of months until the fish, until the boat went out again. But you've got a thing for uh, for boats. I love boats. My grandparents, my my grandpa, my grandpa, and my Grammy had a, a a studio, a little gallery out on Bearskin Neck in Rockport, which is stuck up the, out on the end of. Gloucester. They were artists. They were artists. They're very good artists. And they really? had yeah, I'll show you pictures. I have pictures of I brought you some uh here. I got all your books. Good. Makis. I mean, is that this how you doesn't really it? work that well on Does a podcast? Is that how you pronounce it? But, Makis? Um I used to call it Makis. And then a Jewish person that I knew said Makis? You mean Makis? Yeah. You mean M O C K I E S? Yeah. That's that means Mackies? like what do you call it now? That means like you stink in Hebe when if you live in New Jersey or New York. Who the fuck has ever heard that? No, it's an old-fashioned thing. Oh. And my comic's old-fashioned, so, you know. So, you, what do you say to it now? How do you no, pronounce it? I say Mackey's. I don't Mackey's. want to make it get anybody upset. Mackey's has that nice New England twang. I don't want to get anybody upset with my dick and, and ass jokes. Yeah. Mackey, uh, that's how someone from New England pronounces my name if they were calling me Marky. Mackey. <laughs> Mackey. Kind of like that. I yeah. used to say it rhymes with cockies if you come from Cockies. Boston. Mackey's. Cockies. Well, what was the inspiration? Mackey's. Because this Mackey's is really, and Drunky Crow is your, Drinky Crow is your- Drunky drink. Crow. Drinky Crow. Thank you. Is really, that's what launched you. This I have these beautiful books. I have four beautiful books. Are there more Mackey's books than what I have? Oh, geez, you hear the thump I did on the microphone while it's I tried right, to buddy. pass you the- it's That's right. a picture, a drawing done by my grandfather. Interesting, dude. Yeah, it's very, very good. You know what's interesting about it? Is that, is that a print or is that a pen and ink? Draw, that's it's a drawing. A ink pen and ink. Look, you signed it twice by accident. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do see there's genetic yeah. style. I have the genetic. That has been passed down yeah, with the ink drawing. Right. And then the next page is my grandma's uh, watercolor portraits, which are incredible. But the thing is, they used to paint. Oh, my God. And draw ship, ships and uh, why don't harbors. I, why don't I have this book? Why didn't you anyone? have it. It's in your hand and it belongs to you. The Art of Tony Million. This is like a real art book. This isn't some comic book. Yeah, that's a pleasant... That's a present I gave you so that you this won't is beautiful. be mean to me. Look, I'm, I'm, why, was, why would I be mean to you? I've never heard you be mean to anybody. Well, that's not true. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard you be mean to anybody. I, 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 I've been mean to people. Okay. This is you uh, and when with the... 
That's me in high school with my. I rented an admiral's outfit uh, costume from a costume store for, for what? my f- senior prom. You went in an admiral's costume. Mm-hmm. Are you still with that woman? No, no. <laughs> I, I got her to be my date because Danny Smith was too shy to go out with her, so I got to go out with her. And look at these. Uh, are these early? These pictures of uh, dr- uh, drawings of homes. Those are drawings of houses. I did those. I started in college doing that, and I almost never quit. I did it for twenty or thirty years, just because it's constant work and it's uh you know sometimes it's really hard to get the work but it's always there what to draw houses yeah well what do you mean you draw the house and then you go up to the person that owns the house and say look okay i'd be in new york city i'd walk up to westchester county i take the train to westchester county yeah i'd wa- I'd walk along the neighborhoods I'd, I'd, i used to knock on doors but the cops stopped me from that yeah so i had a little card printed up with a drawing of a house beautiful pen and ink drawing of a house yeah and just a, and you know and just a house right i don't want to say random house because my kids keep saying the word random yeah so I would take, um, and I put it in, in mailboxes, and inside it said, you can have a drawing of your house if you call me, and we can have Christmas cards made or whatever. And the drawing is like f- 14 by 17. How much you sell and those they for? Were, like 200 bucks. And they would call me, and I'd go up and draw their house for 200 bucks. And if I could get, an, an, at Christmas time, I'd get like five a week, which was, I was cranking them out. The, the, the day after Christmas, I would get zero a week for a long time. So it was very uh, seasonal. All right. So this was was that was that the beginning of your artistic career? Was uh, going house to house and offering uh, illustrations for holiday cards? <laughs> there were, the cards part was it's kind of a ruse because people would call and say, "Yeah, great. Now I want to get the cards." So somebody actually called and said, "Can I get the cards without having to pay for the drawing?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "No. Yeah, you can, but they'll just be a blank piece of paper folded." So you would actually make the cards yourself as well? No, what I would actually do was tell them I had a I'd find a, a, a printer in the neighborhood, whatever neighborhood I was in. Mm-hmm. I did it in Berlin, I did it in Boston. I actually did it in LA when I first moved out just for like a couple of houses. I did Tina Sinatra's house as soon as I got out of here. What you tracked her down in some weird book? No, and you... she just happened to call me. She said that uh her sister what's her name? Boots Nancy Boots are walking yeah. Nancy. Nancy yeah. found it in her in her mailbox and gave it to her do you just you coincidentally did nancy sinatra's house no nancy sinatra i coincidentally put a card in nancy sinatra's mailbox oh okay so she gave it to her friend before we get too far away from the music tell me about this period of your life where you had an accordion (laughs) when i was i can't i can play the accordion okay but i there's only one song that i can play so this picture is really sounds sort of like this and then if i play it loud enough yeah it's just the three if you if you hold the accordion backwards and push with your right hand the but the buttons on yeah. that are the chords yeah it's a little up the yeah. little buttons yeah you push the first second third and fourth right over and over uh-huh. you get this dirge yeah then you can sing a song along with it See, play it slowly and loud sure yeah. and that's all you got that's it Okay. Is that, you know, okay. So there's a picture of me in uh, Berlin when I was, you know, trying to just be a performance artist because I was broke. So and was I it a Tony Millionaire show also the Berlin period? Tony Millionaire show started in Boston. Yeah. And I brought it to, I didn't do any in Berlin because they all thought I was full of shit. But then I started again in New York. When you were in college? In no. Boston? No, I was not in college. It was just, I was hanging around a lot of college people. See, I went to Mass Art. Sure. Massachusetts I, I, College of Art. That means that, that everybody that I knew from then, since then, 
has somehow been connected to performance art, music art, whatever. Well, back when you were there, that was really the heyday of performance art. What was that like, mid-80s? It was. That was when it was like, you know, full of uh, thrust and momentum and food. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, fluids and foam. Exactly. There was a lot of fun going on there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was just... It was hilarious, fun, and what did you do? Parties. What was your performance art past? How far I didn't did you... do performance art then. I was a painting major because I went to the school with, when I first got there as a young freshman, yeah. an, an idiot standing around going, "I guess I can maybe do this for a living somehow." And I went. I wanted to go to the illustration department because I knew maybe I'd be able to make some money. But I was so lazy. I knew I never would. Yeah, because those guys work. Yeah, and um, they fortunately the illustration boss said. You came in late. Your portfolio was a mess. It's got ink all over it and smears and shit all over it. You should try the painting department. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Thank God he did. You're halfway there. Because <laughs> it is so like, it, it's such a different world. You go to the painting department and you're like, okay, get a piece of whatever you can find and paint on it. Let's go. How's your sense of color? Not, not as good as it should be for a painting major. Yeah. I mean... I did some really beautiful paintings, yeah. But they had the kind of one color scheme that I really liked, which was very dark and muddy oil paintings. Uh huh. But they were really. Be- I love the fact that when you do these dark and oil muddy paintings, there's a certain type. There are certain like Elizabeth crimsons and stuff that you can do and put down that that like sh- like glow right in the middle of it, like a like a like a coal on yeah. fire. Yeah. And then you can see it coming through all the other bullshit that you put on top yeah. of it. Yeah. So I really liked what I painted. I loved like getting that that sort of like really old-fashioned painting glow without having to actually know how to paint a guy's helmet. So you, oh, so you did abstracts with an old-fashioned feeling? Kind of abstracts. It was kind of like a lot of like cow bellies, cow's bellies walking through a field, but a weird hellish field, you know? Sure. Cows yeah. that are in hell up close, real close. So you just got udders in flame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name of your next book. Yeah, udders... <laughs> <laughs> udders in lava it utters in lava uh-huh. it was like they were like that so all right so from there from from mass art you were uh seduced by the idea of berlin i assume i was seduced by uh, a broken heart yeah a broken heart so yeah. you left the country i had a, my girlfriend kathy Izzo, who is now the love artist she calls herself uh-huh which means that she loves everybody Oh, really? Yeah, sure. That's her you, new thing? Yeah, you can hire her for like a half a day to love you, or full day is a little bit more. How deep does that love go? I, what does that entail? I'm told it doesn't entail like penetration. But anything up to that? Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's like she hugs you and stares at you in your face. How's she doing, business-wise? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you don't talk to her? I, I do talk to her, but I don't ask her how much you're making. How do you talk to your... That might be embarrassing. You talk to the woman that broke your you heart? You don't talk to artists about that. What? You talk to the woman that broke your heart? Very rarely, because I do not like to keep up. I, this whole thing, let's be friends. We, yeah. can, we can be friends. We can't yeah. be friends. But this, the first thing you're going to say when we're friends is about you and your boyfriend. Right. I don't want to hear that. Right. Well, uh, I mean, it's going on, what, 30 years now? That was, yeah, many years ago. You still 30, kind of, and you still, you still feel like you can pull that well, shit. She keeps sending me emails. About what? The love thing? Yeah, and every wife or girlfriend I've been with at the time is like, who's this Kathy Issa? Keeps coming around. <laughs> Talking about the Coachella and going to the, to eat the, what's that drug they take out in the middle of the woods? No. The Coachinella? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, and they, and they, you know. And that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you been married? I've been married once. Well, actually twice, if you count the time that I got married as a performance art. 
Oh, was that it one wasn't of your really pieces? a performance artist? No, yeah. it was. I was in Berlin. And I put a, an ad in the paper that said, "Student of art will do anything for money. Call now." <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of offers for for like you know massages for men. <laughs> I got a lot of. <laughs> a guy called and said, "I want you to teach English to my daughter." Did said, you really? Really? How old is she? She's one. Yeah, so I old. said, "Does she speak German yet?" He said, "No, but I wanted to raise her bilingually." <laughs> So you want me to move in? <laughs> so I say, the baby, if the baby starts saying, uh, like, guh, 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 I have to say, no, you say, goo, goo, goo. Yeah. Goo, goo, goo. Yeah, not goh. Goh. Goh, goh. <laughs> no, that's Dutch. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I'm not good at my baby uh, language impressions. So tell me- So what, one woman called and said, I want to be married. I'm Turkish and I can't- Turkish woman, she couldn't get a career anywhere. So she needed to be American. So I married her for a thousand marks. How, how did she get her thing? Yeah. Then three years later, I got a divorce in the mail. That was it. That's a hell of a performance art. That's a long performance art piece. That's a three-year performance a... art piece. <laughs> did, you, did you document the closure as, and then try to find the audience? No, I documented to... the clothing okay. for the wedding. <laughs> That's pretty absurd. So you did a marriage publicly as a performance art piece. Very publishing, very, very publicly. But if I had done it in Turkey or in America, I would have had to look you know, respectable. Right. But it was in Germany, so the Germans didn't give a shit one way or the other about did an American a, or a Turk. Did you have an audience for this? Well, I had a, a group of people that were friends of mine who laughed and laughed the whole way through. Did you oh, did you get them all back <laughs> together for the uh, divorce? No, that that came in the mail. Well, you, did you send them a copy? Because that's the end of the piece. <laughs> I mean, you should have sent out. Uh, I just just an announcement that that piece that I did that we started three years ago is now over. <laughs> I didn't want to give them that cookie. <laughs> just left it open ended. What? So what year? The closure is like a little piece of, of candy. At the mm -hmm. You don't need the candy. Hey, I'm a comic, you and I and I agree it. with you completely. I yeah. I think punchlines are for pussies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, listen, that, that's interesting you say that because that's why I came up with the bottom strip on my on Maki's. I was going to ask you about that because a lot of people because pe because a lot of people when I first started doing it, I did it in a, in a in under a different name in a little uh, weekly thing in Brooklyn. And a lot of people would say, I don't get it. What are you doing? I don't get it. With like, the, oh, well, do you get this? Yeah. And I put a little bottom thing at the bottom, a little strip at the bottom that says, the, the chicken goes across the road. Very simple. And then he got to the other side. Get it? Get it? Yeah. So to counter the abstract, right. you put something that idiots could understand. Gary Panter once asked me, Tony, you get, you're doing really well with this thing in the New York press. I want to get a strip going. Gary Panjo, the famous, great, the greatest, one of the greatest cartoonists and artists around. Interesting artist. And he, um, I said, well, you got it. Well, number one, your comics are fantastic with the chicken riding around on the big giant truck running yeah. over everybody and shooting each other with a shotgun. But you got to you got to have a joke. You got to end it with a joke. He, he, was, said, he was hung up on punchlines And he just went to come up with that line. He said, I don't want to give them that cookie. Oh, okay. Gary Panther. <laughs> Gary Panther. So he never, no H. Yeah. So he never got a strip. You couldn't get a strip. I remember that guy's work. I mean, he was uh, all over the place for a while. Yeah, Late Jim, 80s. Jim, uh, Jimbo. Yeah. He did a lot of six, uh, 70s punk. Uh, yeah. 70s, 80s California punk. So when you were in Berlin, what year was that? I was in Brooklyn doing big, beautiful, expensive paintings. When you, I was where? When Berlin. 84-ish for five years. So what was that like? So I mean, four-ish for five years means either way, either direction. But Berlin, it was still communist, half of it. And did yes, it, that was what was good about it. That's why I won't go back. They tore that fucking wall down. That's the end of it for me. Yeah, well, yeah, everything's open now. 
Yeah, who cares? Just another city in Germany. No. Yeah. What was it? What was it? What was it like? What was the tension of it? I mean, people like there have been people like my point of reference is you know, David Bowie recorded Heroes there, I think. Hmm. Didn't he? Like there's know. a darkness to it. When Lou Reed's Berlin. Yeah. The, yeah. the, you know, all the, the it seemed like it, it was sort of like uh, nouveau decadent. Yeah, it, it's true. If you live there for a while, um, when you first go there, you feel that because there's a lot of clouds. Yeah. Especially in the winter, you go there and it's clouds and it stinks like coal. Cause everybody yeah. has a coal oven. Did you ever right. go there? No. Oh, it's it's. You, well, no, you're, I just, you're too late. I, I just pictured you know uh, my beer over there, cigarette holders, uh, you know, people being very affected and strung out. Uh, you know, a lot of people you know trying to fuck but not being able to because they're too wasted. But yeah. it's all very decadent and romantic. That's the mythology of it. Oh, what well, it really is is. If you're in Germany and you don't want to go into the army, if you go, if, in those days anyway, if you went into Berlin, you didn't have to go in the army. Why? Because the people of, that live in Berlin are exempt from the military service because it's like Berlin, we have to save, you know, we get people to stay there, whatever. Oh, because it was half occupied, they didn't want people to run away from it. It was an island in the middle of communist Germany. Right. A lot of foreigners came there. Like I knew a lot of French people, and I knew so some, it was some like American a, people. It was a free for all because they, they yeah. just wanted. It was like uh, it was almost like not lawless, but the, the romantic idea of it is that like it was a safe haven for freaks. Exactly, huh? A safe haven for freaks, but definitely not lawless. There was a mayor. There was a real government. There, was, there were real people, and there were a lot of working class people that worked there and lived there. But there was also a section of it called Kreuzberg. Kreuzberg was where they let all the hippies and freaks live and the punks. And they had they were squatting houses left and right all over the place. And the cops would come in and big, giant armies of cops to kick them out. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, we'll squat this one then. So the big house squatting movement was going on big there. So for me, it was great because I could move into a squatted house where there was... Uh, uh, not free. You had to pay like fifty bucks a week or something to live there because you know they had to pay for utilities, food, paint, yeah. plaster, nails, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and there was like women. So when you talk about Berlin being a place where oh nobody was having sex because they're all like oh my god it's so dark in here, man with cigarette holders dropped the cigarette I can't fuck. Yeah, fuck. As, as I was talking out my ass. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. you weren't talking about your ass. You're talking about what the real, the real image of Berlin is. It yeah. was. But what it was was just like, it was like fucking college town. Yeah. But everybody was kind of organized because they're Germans. Yeah. Like the squatted house I stayed at one time, they had a big meet. They used to have a big meeting every Monday night. And one night, I'd been there for like almost a year, but as a guest, mm -hmm. not as a full member. So they so they had Monday meeting. And then I, you just you have to come. They ring a bell. Ding, ding, ding. Plenum. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to the plenum. And I was sitting there, it's like, like, as usual, just listening. I couldn't understand what they were talking about because they were talking about German. Yeah. I kind of thought they all spoke English and they all spoke German like to their grandmothers. So. Yeah, but they, they speak it all the time. Yeah, they're German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a surprise to me. <laughs> and so they, they all like... Did you ever go, come on, you guys. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get off. Yeah, we're, we're, let's get on the same page here. Well, the I problem, I, it was really hard to learn German because they all actually, when you said, come on, you guys, they yeah. all started speaking English. Yeah, they did, right? Yeah. So at one point they said, uh, Tony, one of them just stops, Tony. I'm like, whoa, what? Yeah. What day of the week does the trash go out? I was like, uh, Wednesday? I didn't know, I guess. Yeah. And they're like, then they all turned to each other and go, you see, 
the argument went on and on. I realized they were arguing about me. And whether you were in or out? Whether I was in or out. Whether I knew shit like when, what is the trash, whether I was a member of the, See, you were the, the problem? squat community. You were the problem at the squat? I was one of the problems. And what'd you do there? You just sat around and drew pictures? Well, I got kicked out is what I did there. And then what happened? They kicked me. <laughs> I had to went to another squat. I squatted in my own garage. I had no toilet. I had to pee out the window. Yeah. yeah. But what was your commitment to that place? Why wouldn't you leave at that point? Free place to live, man. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> but did you? Did you just? But, but I mean, artistically, I didn't when, have any. I was foreigner. I didn't have. I didn't but were you thriving? Hard. I mean, was it was it feeding your creativity? I mean, the, oh yeah. Like, what did you do? You had no money. I was an artist. But what kind of art were you doing? Amazing, crazy performance art. Beautiful paintings. What was the performance art? Accordion oriented. Performance art that I did while well, I was in Berlin. The best stuff I did was something for the a band called the Wonderful Guys. Yeah, and they were. Um, Three black guys from L.A. Yeah. One of them is uh, Mark Stewart, who's named, now known as Stu, who just did a, got an award in Broadway. He won a Tony or something uh-huh. for whatever. But anyway, they also had a band called The Negro Problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in L.A. probably know about them. And anyway, when they were there, this was before all that, they had a band called The Wonderful Guys. And The Wonderful Guys, um, they would play. They were not very good because they would let anybody in the band Anybody, any girlfriends, whatever. It was totally Yoko, like six Yokos all in one band. Wow. And I did sculptures made out of um, stuff I got from the slaughterhouse, like uh, slaughtered heads. I would go there and buy like four or five heads. Yeah. And then I'd hook them up to, to motors. So they'd make these giant dinosaur-like puppets that were above the band dancing around. And we'd decorate them with and they you know, stunk? branches and shit. They, no, they were fresh, so they didn't stink yet. They stunk the next day. So you got them out there. You got you went to the slaughterhouse, picked up heads, pieces, yeah. legs, maybe. Yeah, ribs, ribs. The ribs stunk because they were if they were pork, it stunk. And this is before, uh, long before. Well, maybe like who? Well, what's that artist's name? That kind of who? Damius Dingo. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the P.T. Barnum of uh, of uh, <laughs> dead things. <laughs> You put them in plastic yeah, so, yeah. They, so they won't smell. Yeah, let's let's float that carcass. <laughs> I can move this for a few hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my shit wouldn't sell for even. No, it's performance art. It was for yeah. the moment, bro. It was for the moment, bro. Yeah, and then we gotta get that shit out of here before it fucks up the squat. One time we didn't get it out of there, and I did fuck up the squat. I bet it did. We, we get maggots all we over didn't the place. Get it out of there, and the cops raided the place the next day because they heard about the party, and they, there was an article in the newspaper that said chaotic steal and slaughter a horse they they roasted the horse under open skies in the courtyard they ate the poor animal and then <laughs> they left really the, they left the carcass to rot yeah it was a fuck it was a fucking cow head but they framed you they, they're like this was is framed that's right this is what the this is the problem we've <laughs> got this, this american provocateur eating our horses yeah and who knew you would end up in a garage for a Model T? Let's continue one train of thought. Yes. The broken heart was because Kathy Izzo decided that we, we were going to go to Berlin. We were going to get big dogs and black coats, and we were going to walk around in Berlin and be like that, that myth that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, then she, while we were getting ready, she fell in love with some German guy in Boston. And Before they, you and left they for Germany? To, yeah, then they went to Berlin. But you already had plans to go there? Yeah. So, so she like, was there? Fuck. Yeah. So and you saw her there. around? No, she only no. She only she only stayed lasted like two months. She said it's a terrible town. They just sit around smoking cigarettes under bare light bulbs. Isn't that what you signed up for? 
Yeah, but I found it to be much more entertaining than that. Well, you're, you were, so I went to Rome instead. I lived there for like five months. You were stealing body parts and hooking them up to machines. Not stealing. Hanging out with black guys. I paid for them. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Slaughter, that's, slaughterhouse. That's what, Oh, so they were usable parts. They weren't garbage. One time a guy, a slaughterhouse man, pulled out a big crate on wheels, and it was filled with heads, yeah. fresh. And the heads, the eyeballs. Cow heads. Cow heads, yeah. But the skin off. The neck, of course, sure. and the body off. Sure. And the eyeballs were rolling around, and the cheeks were twitching. Mm. And, I, and I looked at him, and I'm like, ah. I looked at the guy, and he goes, ganz frisch. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> Which in Germany means very fresh. So I just picture you looking at Izzo, you know, holding heads, saying, yeah. you don't know how to live. Yeah. You coward. You coward. You left this place months and ago. Did she leave with her, her man? She stayed with that guy? Yeah, she got married and had three kids. With him? Yeah, then she became a lesbian and lived in Provincetown. See what you avoided? Now she's not a lesbian anymore. Oh, God. Now she's a love artist. Sure, man. Sure. <laughs> sure. That's it. But we can keep it on the surface. Or no, we can... the German guy owes me because I, I didn't put my foot into that tangled mass of And the broken heart, it worked for you. You were angry. You stayed in yeah. Berlin longer than she did. Uh, you, 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 you paid penance yeah. by, by not knowing when to take the trash out at a squat. <laughs> You did your time. I did. Not only that, I got. I had a broken heart when I was twenty-four years old. So this twenty-three. Your... When you have a tw- broken heart when you're twenty-three, and then your broken heart is over when you're twenty-four, that's perfect. That's what makes life. Oh, yeah, it only took you a year to get over that yeah, shit. Sure. Come well, on. Well, no, it took me a long time to get over that. That was my first love. Your broken hearts are a bitch. Yeah, they're a bitch. But when they're, they're when you're in your twenties, you're, young, you you're supposed to have that. that. Sure, but that you... makes you into an artist or a poet. Right. Or, or comic. Or dead. Yeah, there's a or lot dead, of ways. Yeah. Or hate women. There's a lot of when ways. You can hate women. When you're 20s and you have a broken heart, if, you don't, if you're not messed up with heroin, you, it usually doesn't end in suicide. Doesn't end in suicide. But yeah. it could... It could suicide for, comes usually in your 30s when you're like, then you have a broken heart and then you realize, oh, fuck, I'm a junkie. And then you kill yourself. Yeah, or else you're just broken hearted by your disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, with everything. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And, and if you're, it, it takes four or five things... And then a broken heart to yeah. actually kill yourself. Yeah, no, the broken heart thing's just miserable because uh, there's, you know, the there's a broken heart, but then there's the pride involved. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, let's not do that. No. <laughs> let's not get into that thing. No. Well, that's what all my work is about now. The monkeys started all from that. From that. Well, what's Drinky wait, Crow? Why do you think Drinky Crow drinks so much? Because he's broken hearted. Yeah, of course. And he's a bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when he shoots himself, it's like, okay, I'm going to fucking shoot myself. Fuck you. And he can do it over and over again. Yeah, and the next day, he's like, give me some nut bottle of booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I drank all the booze. Oh, then let me cut your fucking head off and drink your blood, douchebag. So that's all. So the, so the language of the, cat, of the crow is all, the, if, if a broken heart could, could talk and continually kill himself. Yeah. That's the over human and over. Right. That's great. It's great because you can kill yourself. The, the drama, the beauty and drama of killing yourself yeah. goes on and on. With a cartoon, sure. Yeah. And he's on a boat, too, uh-huh. a lot of times. Sure, he's out at sea where they can't fucking call him. Cell phone doesn't even work out there. <laughs> <laughs> they call you on the radio. It's like, get your ass home. Turn that fucking radio on. Yeah. Oh, I'm drinking. <laughs> Give me a gun. Get your carcass home. And what's the other guy's name? Uncle who? Uncle, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Gabby. <laughs> Uncle Gabby, he's the foil. Yeah. What, what, where Whenever you, I have to have somebody like burn his hands or you know do something really cut his get his toes cut off, he, he stubbed his toe on an anchor. 
Yeah. God damn it, cut the toes off. I can't bear it anymore. So the doctor cuts off the toes, and he's yeah. like, ah, I can't never stub my toe again. <laughs> Ouch, it hurts even worse when you stub the stumps. <laughs> so you can't, you can't protect yourself. When you write this stuff, I mean, well, the first time you came upon the crow, like I have to assume not unlike a comic that there's a there's a moment there where you're like, this is my guy. This is my yeah. voice. This is my muse. What what was that moment? That was from my second heartbreak. The where, crow. Uh, yeah, I was living with this girl. Your heart broke open and a crow came out. It did. Mm. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I was living with this girl in Berlin. I mean, in uh, in Brooklyn. So you moved from Berlin to Brooklyn. Berlin, straight to Brooklyn, yeah. Before and, Brooklyn was cool. Yeah, everything was getting all right. It was all right. I had some girlfriends and I was forgetting and everything was okay. And then yeah. I, and I, but I kept, kept thinking to myself, I got to get back to that that love that I thought was going to last forever when I was 22. Yeah. But, you know, I finally got it now. Yeah. I just realized, sit down and calm the fuck down and everything's going to be all right, for me anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, th- at this point, it was like, okay, I'm living with this girl, and she said, um, the winter's coming, and you're not going to have enough money to pay the rent. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do, get a job? No. Yeah. Want me to wash the dishes more often? No. Like, you want me to move out? Well, oh. and then I was like, fuck this. So I moved out, and then I went to this bar, and it was the worst blizzard of New York ever in 1992 Two? or three. Yeah. yeah. And then this guy at a bartender in the deep, deep snow in the dark said, I started drawing a little crow, blowing, yeah. his, bra- blowing his brains out. He said, every time you draw that crow, I'll give you a free beer. A great, okay. Yeah. So I started drawing little comics of the crow, drinking crow, blowing his brains out, making jokes. He goes, no, it's going to be a whole comic, four panels, and I'll put it on my newsletter, and you get a free beer every time. I was like, for doing it. <laughs> so I had free beer. I had no money. Yeah. I had free beers, and I would steal spaghetti from friends. And then <laughs> Drinky Crow was born. And then other people in the bar were all depressed cause it was, just because it was winter. Yeah. And they all started drawing them, too. So there's a lot of Drinky Crows drawn by a lot of people. And then the whole bar walls were covered with it. Then they made a styrofoam Drinky Crow and put it and painted it and put it outside the bar. This is a bar called 612 in Brooklyn on Metropolitan Avenue. Is it still there, Drinky Crow? I think the bar is still there. They got taken over by Italians. And now it's like, what what do you got to do? Get rid of the crows. Get the fucking crows. Get them out of here. Get this place classy. So that was the birth of it. That the birth a, of the, your life-defining moment. In, Scott in, Riley helped me. Scott Riley was the bartender, the bartender. And the, and the owner. Yeah, so, the so the the thing that the thing that made the diamond out of the coal of your broken heart was there in the winter of nineteen ninety something, ninety two, ninety three. You're broke. You're doodling at a bar, and you're heartbroken. The coal of my broken heart. Yeah, is a drinky crow. Yeah. <laughs> but tell me anyway. about the iconography of the era that you're obsessed with. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a comic book guy in, in terms of history. Mm. Like, uh, you know, R. Crumb made a big difference on my mind when I was younger. When I was when I was a teenager, like I come across those. I got that first Zap one right up there. And oh, it, that's a really good one. Yeah, that blew my mind. And and I, you know, as I got into him, mm. and, and even with your stuff, and Spiegelman, I was reading that at the same time you were right. Mm. Loved it. Yeah, there was just something completely changed my world. Yeah, we. It's weird because when you know when you hear him talk, there's something about the existential, and I, you know, I think you do this with Mackey's too. Is that the the like the poetics of of human existential struggles can easily be 
you know, can fill up characters if you do it right and you yeah. can do it over and over again, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it, it serves as sort of a, an interesting, almost absurd release if you can lock into the comics as a, as a person taking them in. Mm-hmm. And w- you seem to go a little further back and honor a style that doesn't exist much unless Spiegelman decides to resurrect it for five minutes. Yeah. You've integrated it sort of fully into all your work. Who are those people? That you you sort of bring back to life. I started out loving Charles Schultz and Peanuts, like everybody did when I was a little kid. They were, the kids in school would say, "Draw Snoopy for me." Yeah, on my book, right? Because I loved it. Because you know, you want to talk about a, a comic strip that's made the coal of a broken heart. That's fucking Peanuts. That is just beautiful stuff, and it's all really about Charlie Brown hating himself. Yeah, and dealing with that. Right, and then Lioness is like, "Fuck, my sister's always beating me up." But, yeah, but it's cool. I'm all right. I'm yeah. all right anyway. I got my blanket. I got my blanket, yeah. and then not only have my blanket, I also like I can I can calmly talk to her, and maybe she won't beat me up. Right. And then you go from that, and I loved it. And I started a comic strip called Zero Man. Yeah. And my parents were like, I was like, you know, in the second grade, my parents were like, well, you got to go to the psychiatrist because this is freaky. Because <laughs> Zero Man would like fly around and then crash into po- telephone poles and go, I'm the great, wonderful, terrific, crash Zero Man. You know, like right, like like uh underdog right he never he never died no he just crashed see, that seems to be a, a rec- fool and a flop a recurring theme with you it's like these yeah. things you can you can break them apart and then put them back together yeah it's like the wily coyote too it seems that maybe it's yeah. a theme and maybe it's one of the reasons comic book artists do comics it could be. i can destroy these guys every few panels yeah. and then i can rebuild them Popeye gets his head smashed in with a giant anchor and he eats some spinach. Pops right back. <laughs> I never really thought about that. Yeah. That the, the heroes of comic books are the ones that can, you know, reconstitute. Yeah. And that's uh, all. The best cartoonists are suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> because they can do it over and over again. Yeah. It saves their life. That's right. If, you, if you're really suicidal, yeah. it just like lasts only one time and they're like, oh, fuck, now what am I going to do? Yeah, create an alter ego that can yeah. die over and over again. <laughs> Never really thought about it like that. Yeah. But so, but some of this stuff goes back to before Schultz, doesn't it? I mean, if like they. Well, then I went on and I read Schultz and Schultz. I mean, then I went and read Crumb and Robert Crumb. I, I mean, I loved that shit when I was a teenager. I was yeah. Like, oh my God, comics have gotten like suddenly they jumped the whole generation. Yeah, and there's thought. also instructions on how to think and fuck in yeah. our Crumb comics. Right. It's like you can see it. Like, oh, that's how it goes in. It's all right there. There's also that that hapless fool, Flaky Foont. Yeah, Flaky Foont. Who says, like, looks in the little the jet planes are flying through the air. <laughs> and he's all bummed out. <laughs> and then he's, like, trying to rake up some hay with that rake. Yeah. Shit, this will work. <laughs> Mr. Natural walks up and goes, just stares at him, and he's, like, gets all embarrassed. Yeah. He bunks the rake out of his hand. He hands him a pitchfork. He goes, yeah. Use the right tool for the job and walks away. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot. Yeah. You're trying to live your life like this, you fucking dope. Just don't do this. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be all right. And you can just be your regular jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what about like that era of Crazy Cat and all that fucking stuff? Well, then when I started up, well, he took a lot of his stuff from the old Popeye cartoons. A lot right. of his stuff is influenced by old Popeye, old um, Dick Tracy and Cicero the Cat and Mutton Jeff and all that stuff. Right. So and then when I so when I started doing comics myself, I, I like, uh, I I I read the the Smithsonian, uh, what's it called the Smithsonian collection of newspaper comics, mm-hmm. which really like opened my eyes about old comics, because mm-hmm. they would do the thing on the bottom, the little bottom strip back like in the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's an old trick from the twenties because it's like it's a little dessert, you know. Right. Something for the adults or the older kids, and then at the bottom a little thing for the kids. That's how Crazy Cat was born. 
But I really love that drawing style of the olden stuff. And yeah. I also just really love olden stuff because my grandparents' house on my mother on my mother's side, they were always doing paintings of ships and stuff. And on my dad's side, so I lived in a Victorian house and my grandma gave me a sock monkey. And I just loved that as an ex- escape from my fucking horrifying regular <laughs> life with my parents. Yeah. Which is fucking weird. She gave you a sock monkey that she made? Yes. Uh-huh. She did. Why was your house weird? My parents' house? Yeah. That's a whole fucking another story. What? They were swingers. Yeah? We grew up uh, under... Uh, people would say, what religion are you? A swinger. Oh, really? Yeah. Sunday morning meant... Uh, this is how Sunday morning began. It didn't begin with getting ready to go to church and everybody climbing in the car and going and sitting in church. Sunday morning for us began with a big fat guy named Wally walking into our the room, whatever room we were in, looking at us and we would go, oh... And he'd say, clean up this room, and close the door. And then we'd hear, like, as they changed place, places. And then uh, we'd come out of there. We'd wait a certain amount of time. We knew. Four of kids in our family and four kids in their family. And Wally's family? And Wally's family. Wally's four boys and the f- my two brothers and a sister. And so, so then Wally we'd get up and they'd be eating steak and eggs. Who, two couples? Two couples. Wally and his wife and your parents. Yeah. And then uh, after after breakfast, we you know we have our Cheerios and all the fuck garbage they gave us. And then they as they had the steak and eggs. When I have breakfast nowadays, and I have steak and eggs for breakfast, the kids get fucking steak and eggs. Sure, it comes from that. Right, that and, uh, that spite yeah. against swinger parents. Yes, yeah. <laughs> now they're getting heart disease because of my swinger parents. Uh huh. And they get in the convertible, and Wally would be in the back seat with mom, and dad would be in the front seat with Marion, and they drive off. Now this lasted like something like ten years. Just with one couple. Yeah. Huh. They started off having like crazy swinger parties like in their house. My dad was a crazy artist and he built this beautiful like house with the back wall was all giant windows looking out into the woods. He did stuff like he put up a billboard. He was a lot of fun actually. So this was the 50s. He was early on Bohemian? 60s, 60s. Okay. I was, so born, I was born in 56. So these were like... Uh, like so this is 68. So they, But they were still ahead of the curve for their age, right? I mean, I like a little bit. Yeah. So they were like beatniks, yeah. Originally, yeah, they were beatniks and art. Well, they were from. They went to the same art school I did, mass art. But mass they art. like they they were they'd already transcended the uh, status quo, the kind of like you know post war bourgeois yeah. middle class thing. They were going the other way, pre hippie, pre hippie, but the predecessors of the hippie. Yeah, the people would show up at bongos. Mm-hmm. Sure, and my dad would do multimedia like a slideshow. He had like, oh, six yeah. slide projectors and a movie loop. All over the walls oh, and so crazy you grew up music. With that? Oh, you, it was great. You grew up with the uh, the the uh, New England equivalent of Warhol's factory. Yeah, yeah it was Wall- Warhol's factory out in the middle of, Ma- of the woods of Massachusetts. <laughs> There's a little frog pond next to us with a little, yeah. you know, and woods and bunnies. And so you're like in, you, the, you, in the house. So you kids were just always sort of like you know, so you know, finding pot and ashtrays and half naked women half asleep. So, and I asked my parents about it. Le- yeah, definitely. That you go, we one time we came upstairs and there was a naked woman lying on the couch. Yeah. And underwear was always like thrown around the living room. Yeah. So the parties were going, really going on. Right. Well, but they waited until we were asleep. Right. So we wouldn't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> As you furiously, <laughs> years. furiously masturbated to the sounds of a party. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was Never no masturbation. We were, it was young. we were young. We were like 10. Oh, shit. So we were like, you know, we, we were just like thinking, you know, Okay, when these assholes are finished with the party, we'll go up and get the crackers. <laughs> and we get the bugles and the bacon thins and all that shit. And then 
one day my dad put up a big billboard in the backyard. He he built it out of just you know some foam core and not foam core. They had foam yeah. core there, but but yeah, he put some. Uh, he built a billboard and he and he was also Revolutionary War uh, reenactor. And it's way pre Tea Party because he was a lefty, and he would fill. I, I was too. I played the fife, and he'd fill up the musket with paint and go in out and he shot it. But it was right in the back, so everybody in the party look could see all these through the big windows. The whole wow, and then he'd give everybody he, a cup of paint, and they'd go out there and throw paint on the walls. But he, was he wearing a Revolutionary War outfit? Yeah, that was your dad. Yeah, he put on his tricorn cap <laughs> and go shoot paint muskets. He shot paint muskets at a big, blank, a big canvas. blank canvas, and everybody in the house would be like, Ooh. "See, that was the cool part." Yeah. Now, on the other hand, uh, the, the sad part was that every ra- every ra- usually every weekend, it was just fucking bullshit. Yeah. It was just them drinking martinis, going down to bed, and we'd go to bed, or we'd go, there was always like a downstairs with a TV, and they'd start doing whatever the fuck they were doing up there. But it was it was just a total fucking lie. My father actually built a house during this period that we moved into, and it was like, you go upstairs, and there was the living room, and there was the hallway, and the lit dining room, and the kitchen, and then there was like a wall. The house just—I uh, just was up for sale. Actually, I don't know if the people who bought it knew what was going on, but it's pretty obvious. There's a wall with three doors in it. Yeah, and the middle door was a bathroom, and the two doors on the sides are little hallways that go into the bedrooms in the back, the big bedrooms, mm-hmm. the master bedroom, and the studio that had a big bedroom. So that was for cleaning up and switching rooms. That was for now. They didn't have to get up in the morning early and go close one of our doors or make sure the kids weren't seeing what was going on. They could switch around in the in the bathroom. Well, what were they just fucking all the time? Guess, huh? So, so grandma's. You no, know, who, who's the fuck? My mom, I don't know, man. Cause she would, you know, she wouldn't look that good in those days. <laughs> She's, uh, she was forty, <laughs> but she was willing. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say that a forty year old girl. You don't want to fuck a forty year old woman, but we used to call her Jello. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I hope she never figures out figures out how to use her podcast. Is she still around? <laughs> oh yeah. Very active with Ancestry.com. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She's totally a square now. Huh. Completely. That happens a lot to people. They go to that ancestry. generation. No, yeah. they square up. Yeah. You know? She I guess squared it, up as soon as the, the divorce came. Yeah? Well, maybe she was uh, not that into it to begin with. I don't know. I don't know. But I think so she kind of went along with it because it was fun. So she Grandma's house uh, represented some sort of boundaries and semblance and you grounded... Yeah, so you go to yeah. grandma's house and everything's like, wow. Yeah. There's a person there who tells you, don't do that. Yeah. And she's right there. It's Grammy. Isn't that, isn't that weird growing up with no boundaries or discipline, how like fucked up it makes you? Do you, do you ever crave that somebody had just said, yeah. shut up, do this? They said shut up and do this, but it was so fucking half arbitrary <laughs> that it was bullshit. You like, know, don't make that noise because it's bothering me. Don't eat that. It's mine yeah you know yeah so the sock monkey thing because that was a strip you did right it was a it's a it's a whole it's a book and a whole book series of yeah sock monkey we're trying to make a movie out of it now we got this really beautiful uh three minute test of it which is gorgeous it's done with like with puppets but the puppeteers are all taken out with cg and then the arms and legs are added in cg so it really looks like a real sock monkey running around in our room yeah and um as soon as I get that movie sold, that's when I'll uh, that's be able when to buy, buy my own swinger house. That's when everything changes. Yeah, sure. That's when the wall goes up with the three doors in it. 
But who's like the the <laughs> the Mackies uh, uh, have gotten you an, an amazing amount of uh, of uh, specific fame and recognition. You know the song "Fame and Fortune." Fame. Yeah. Mine song goes like this: Fame and fame and fame and fame. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, so how much do you make a, a living off these books we're cartoonists I don't make that much no I know but you do not enough to buy a fucking house you've drawn pictures of some of my favorite people I'm also for bad the, with money what? for the believer yeah but uh, you, you can imagine what piece work costs for an illustrator what piece work chart, what do you it, mean piece work it, one, it, per uh, piece okay they send me 10 pictures right yeah can a magazine pay to, for, afford to pay me thousands of dollars for those no no it's a magazine so how many how many uh, do you have syndicated strips? I do. It's self syndicated, but it's in like fifteen papers. Used to be in a lot more, but those papers were all going out of business. And you had the adults. No, I'm not complaining. I make a pretty decent wage, and when I tell friends of mine how much money I make, they're pretty surprised because cartoonists don't usually make a lot of money. Yeah. But I live in Pasadena, and I got to buy a house. And my kids are teenagers, and I'm renting a really nice house right now. But in order for, to buy that rented house right now, I don't have. I'm not the kind of guy. I live in squatted houses. You have. You have. To, so I didn't yeah. start off with like buying a little house and then buying a bigger house and then no, buying a bigger no house. I had no idea how to buy a house. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this was the only house I've owned, yeah. ever. And I, you know, and it's so it's, eventually I'm going to get the lump that brings me into the house. I'm at this point where I can't save to get it. Yeah, I have to strike gold. Right. I can't do it through evolution. I have to do it through revolution. What's it, so gold looks like a sock monkey movie. Looks like a sock monkey movie or a Billy Hayes in the show. The Drinky Crow show, if that had gone in two more seasons, I would have been golden. Drinky Crow on Adult Swim? Yeah, that was good. It was good. Yeah, I took a lot of lot more money out of there than... Uh, than um, and now you got the new the book. The other people wanted me to. The Book of Portraits here. That's out. That's out. That is. Yeah, I, mine didn't make the cut, but you gave me another portrait <laughs> to make up for it. It's not that I didn't make the cut. What happened was that I got together every portrait I could possibly find, and I was right. scraping at the bottom and of the barrel. If already, I had found yours, I would have definitely put it in. You'd already given it to me, probably. Yeah, but I have files of all of them. Uh -huh. I, most of them are all given away or gone. Yeah. And now I have two, though. Thank you. Now yeah. you have two. I I have you that one. period of the, the original portrait, if you, had you put it in, <laughs> that was a very rarefied period where I wore round glasses and had my hair that short. I hated the day that picture was taken because I'd just gotten yeah. a haircut, and there's no way I'll ever look like that again. But the new one, that no, looks you like look, me. You don't look pretty in that, in that first one. Yeah, it's weird, but they both look like, uh, I look like uh, different versions of Jewish intellectuals from other eras. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the original picture with the round glasses. That's, yeah, you look that's like Shlomo, ready to do some math. <laughs> yeah, it's me in the 20s when I was working on that project with Enrico Fermi. <laughs> that math project. Yeah, and then in the top one, that looks like me, 1968, at the cutting edge of nothing. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know. It's hard I try, with the facial to, hair. I try to be fashionable, and they just no, keep just, following me. The best thing to do is just have three or four shirts and two or three pairs of pants <laughs> and two pairs of shoes that you keep in rotation and you know fuck it i put on some fancy vests so when i go out that's good I like to you have teenage kids too no i have uh i i started very late in uh raising children so my kids are uh, 10 and 8 which is all fucking a lot of fun because they're uh so you had your first kid how old were you and play the violin and shit like that how old were you when you had your first kid uh 59? No. <laughs> no, you're not 59. Uh, 10 years ago, I was 45. Uh, yeah. And you recommend it? Oh, sure. What the fuck? Why not? Yeah. For, for, I mean, people look, look at all these fucking Hollywood guys. They're having kids in their 70s. 
Yeah, no, I don't the know. only thing that I won't have that somebody who had kids when he was 30 yeah. is... Energy? Well, there's two things. One, I had a fucking great time, even though it was weird and crazy and heartbroken and depressing. It was a great time, and I have it all documented. Yeah. But I also now, I, what I won't have is... Um, being like uh, 70 years old and having little grandkids right. curl on my knees. So you won't have the second wave of kids. Like the, the one that after you fucked up your original kids, you can finally love something appropriately. Grandkids. Yeah. But right. I can be a grand uncle. Sure. I get plenty of nephews. What the fuck? And you're care. married to uh, Becky? Married to the lovely and wonderful Becky Thayer. You're married into a very funny group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm telling you, when I heard... Because I knew I met Andy and Sarah. Andy Richter is your brother-in-law, and Sarah Thayer is his wife. Yeah, and they used to throw parties in New York, and a lot of cartoonists would come because they liked cartoonists. Yeah, and uh, like Sam Henderson and you know all those crazy Kaz and all those guys, and they would. Um, and then Sarah Thayer was there, just fucking insane. Yeah, especially in those days, she's running around, pinching everybody's ass. You know, getting everybody to line up and do yeah. cha-cha, watch-out parties, yeah. dancing shit. Yeah. I was like, this chick's amazing. And then um, her suddenly her sister's started showing up. Debbie and Rachel were hanging around, and they were all like, all dressed, all cool. I was like, wow, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And then I heard that was their mother is like, she lives in uh, Louisiana in a swamp. She's crazy Catholic. Yeah who like but she's nutty she's like one of these really crazy people who, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. who happen to be insanely catholic they yeah like, they had to all take a piss in a in a bucket uh -huh. on a road trip in a van like hey, sarah pissed in the bucket why can't debbie yeah you know yeah and then i found out there's another one and it just got divorced i was like really yeah what's its name <laughs> it's becky <laughs> wow she sent me an email she's yeah. like hey i'm becky i'm the other thigh sister the one you never met yeah and i was like Ooh. and you know i was 41 and i had had like my about my fifth heartache and i was like you know i'd really like to settle down i'm kind of tired of putting on big stupid hats and doing performance art and uh drawing comics all the time and so i was like going up with these girls but they're all every girl i would meet in a bar would be 26 yeah and I said, how old are you? First email. And she said, 31. I said, oh, 30, that's 10 years younger. That's good. Then I thought to myself, click, I'm going to marry her. That's good, man. Yeah, I was lucky. Do you ever do sittings or you do it all from photographs? I do some sittings uh, my, for my portraits. Yeah. It's always, better, it's always better to do it from a sitting. It is. Yeah, because you don't have... Um, you can feel you, the if life. If you're going through a photograph, it's yeah. like you're going from one world through another world. Yeah. I actually got sued for $5 million once for using a photograph. Get the fuck out of here. Of who? a famous guy. Oh, you can't bring it you up. You can't say. Either. No. I'm not allowed to say who it was. You drew a picture from a photograph. Because the guy who sued him is so fucking embarrassed that it would be do something so, so douchebaggery. Yeah. As to sue a guy for $5 million that he didn't. For drawing Nobody knew about it. Yeah. You know what? I can't really. Who's embarrassed? He is. He's embarrassed that if anybody knows that he sued this person, you, he sued me and the uh, and the famous guy, the photographer. The photographer sued me and the famous guy. And if you guess who it is, I'll stop talking. And um, he, he so he was embarrassed about it. So he was so embarrassed about it that he had to like fucking put a like gag order on it because it's stupid. I mean, okay. 
I did use his photograph. The yeah. guy, the famous guy, gave me the photograph and said, "Draw me for this." And the famous guy used it for promotion. The drawing. The drawing, and then the famous, and then the photographer saw it obviously because it was everywhere, and he said, "You um, used my photograph. It's very obvious that I did, and I did." Yeah. And I can't really blame the guy. Yeah. Because if I saw somebody do that to me, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" Hey, that's the name of your show. Yeah. You know, pay me. And they, and usually somebody would say, all right, yeah, you know, you're right. But he fucking sued him. It's bullshit. I'm lawsuit. Well, I'm going to sue you. So did he get paid? Yeah, he got paid. Wow. He paid a lot of money. He didn't get no $5 million, but he got paid way more than his fucking stupid photograph was worth. So you've got, some of the paintings, uh, the drawings, you've done some covers too. Everyone likes you, man. You're like cool. They do. I am cool. Yeah. They, They all like me. Your kids like you? Till they meet me. Yeah. No, you're but, a likable guy. <laughs> That's true. I am a very yeah. likable person. Your kids like you? They do. They have a very good time. All right. But they're only 10 and 8. Yeah, there's time. Yeah. You'll fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My parents did. You know, they go through that period. That's going to be, that's the hardest thing to weather, I think, is when your kids are like, fuck you. Yeah. And you got to wait for it to come around. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. Happen. Of course it's going to happen. It happens now. Fortunately, it only lasts a day. Well, that's good. They're kids, and I know that when kids are kids, that they're growing up, they're practicing every single emotion they're ever going to use on anybody, on me yeah. and their mother. Right. So, so just, they're practicing anger. They're practicing like. So you just got to accept the yeah. practice board that it's you're. The, it's the practice board. You're the practice board. And not. This is take one of the person. advantages of having kids when you're older. Right. You don't like twenty five and going. What do you mean? Shut up. Yeah. And slap the kid. That's a good. I never heard it that way. That's what I think that's called boundaries in uh, the common sort of... Uh, it's called boundaries? Self-aware parlance, sure. How does that work? I, I have no idea, but I, <laughs> I I think that like by saying like she's not, you know, she may be angry, but I want to take this personally. She's growing and learning right. how, like I can be a grown-up here I'm and not father, go, yeah. you shut up. You know, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. You, you're not, I'm not her older brother. That's a boundary. Dad. That's a boundary. Right. That's a, but if she goes too far, she needs me to say... Don't stab. Be quiet. Yeah. Stop that. Go in your room. You're right. being punished. You didn't she get that. Needs it. You didn't get that with any consistency. Well, I got a slap in the face. But erratically. And then they yeah. disappear into a room. Because they were in their another, 20s. Yeah, then they couple. go fuck somebody else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're not doing that. Now, were your parents swingers? No. no so you don't know what maybe I'm talking they, about. No, my parents had no boundaries. They were completely insecure and vain and of, uh, you know, maybe a little younger than your parents, but they had me when they were very young. And uh-huh. there's a lot of pictures of my old man wearing, you know, medallions and Nehru jackets and whatnot. Uh-huh. I, 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 I bet they did swing a little, mm-hmm. but there were, it was not uh, a way of life. And they didn't let you know about it. No, but- We uh, knew. We knew. And that was, a, that was the drag. Because we were living a lie. Total lie. I mean, they knew. would say What's things that? to us that were, we knew were not true. Oh in order to you know to get through daily life like well those are just so 10, those are mommy mommy and daddy's friends that we see every week and eat breakfast with that Isn't kind that of shit yeah well, not mommy and daddy's friends that was like that's baby talk but i don't i can't think of an example but it was like very obvious yeah you know well good man i'm glad you're doing it a different way <laughs> but so, it's funny it makes you like now i'm like i, I want to make my own kind of anchor yeah, so I have to like, like I'm when the kids say that sucks, Dad. Like, don't say sucks in front of an adult. And definitely don't say it in front of me because that means suck a penis. Mm-hmm. I said that to my kids. Yeah, and that? now they'll do this like that sucks. That doesn't mean the same thing. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. So they claim they okay. So. Yeah. Well, they're right. I mean, I don't know that they would have put that what together. What does it mean? Right? What is what? What is what is being sucked? In that sucks, or you suck. Yeah, but eventually, you know, through common usage, it, it just has it means its own thing. Yeah, it, it just means, means it's, it's okay. shitty. It means it sucks. cocksucker. It means no, you, it doesn't to it them. Does not to them. Well, you but see, this is the historical you. You're going back to the root. I'm you're, using what the word you're actually going back, is. Yeah, you're going back to the Model T. No, it's not uh, a Model T. You're saying that it it's, used to be that the sucks word a dick. Suck. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. You suck a dick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I get that, but sucks. You know, is is it just means it could, but what, it might be suck eggs. Why don't you do some studying? It, might, it sucks eggs. It sucks eggs. Okay. Right. Let's just say that it means suck a jelly bean. <laughs> it just sucks. It's bad. It sucks a lollipop. It may, maybe it's lollipop just a, a general good. vacuum. Maybe it sucks it's a really general a dried shit. Yeah, maybe it's just a general vacuum that like whatever it's doing, it's taking from me. It's a vacuum. Things oh, that that's I. It. That's good. Yeah. As but now you've already, vacuum, that's you've already filled your kids' heads with dick sucking. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've given something they didn't need at all. They didn't have to learn for another five or six years. Even. From some boy on the in the parking lot who said, <laughs> have you ever sucked a dick? They'll be like, what? That sounds interesting. No, I know what that is. My dad told me. It's a bad thing. Yeah. Oh, you've ruined it for future boyfriends. You scarred them. goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> you goddamn right i'm setting fucking mind traps yeah, all down uh, their right. lives for these future boyfriends oh good for you yeah yeah i think we've covered it you feel good about it i do thanks tony thank you mark tony millionaire great guy interesting guy father at 50 whatever he is wow all right yeah i mean the artist's life he does some great work though i'm looking at my two tony millionaire portraits uh go to wtfpod.com for all you wtf pod needs get a t-shirt get on the mailing list pick up some merch get the app kick in a few shekels do what you want to do drop a comment try to be nice but i know some of you are incapable of it uh get some just coffee.coop do the thing Come see me, Pete Holmes, Chelsea Peretti, Joe Mandy at the Ice House this Sunday, July 8th at 7 p.m. Go to icehousecomedy.com for that. I'll be at the Montreal uh, Just for Laughs Festival doing stuff. Go check that out. Boomer, come here. Let me clean your ass. Come on, it's sad. Okay, Dennis, you can uh, you can start sawing again. I don't know if he heard me.